0: Change your perception of what you're looking at, and everything changes. Hey, my name is Giorgio Janis, and this is the How to Do Life podcast. If you've ever felt that no matter what you try, something is missing, then you're in the right place. My aim with this podcast is to begin filling in those blanks for you. So open your mind and get ready, because I'm about to show you an entirely different way to look at your life. And once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. So let's get started. All right, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I thought I might do things a little differently on this episode and go into something that's been happening in the public forum that was brought to my attention a few days ago um, as of recording this. Now, um, I had a client send to me some details about text messages that had been made public between Jonah Hill and Sarah Brady. Um, They were dating, I think, in 2020 and their relationship ended. But then at some point, um, things went a little bit hairy. I'm not going to go into the specifics of the situation because I don't think they're actually relevant to what I want to talk about. Um, But just to give you some context to the situation, She feels like he was being quite manipulative in the way he was navigating arguments and conflict with her and um, wasn't necessarily treating her fairly or with respect, um, but believed he was. And so there's the belief that there's a bit of gaslighting going on there and um, yeah, some manipulative behavior on Jonah's part. Now, you know, obviously I'm not in the inside of the circumstances, so I don't know the finer details of it. All I know is what has been brought to the public. And when I had a client of mine sending me the details on this, um, who was kind of curious about my thoughts, I went down the rabbit hole um, for a good, I think 30 minutes of my life was taken away from me on that. And I found it interesting. So I was looking at it through the lens of mindset and psychology, like I usually do with most things. And I thought there were some interesting takeaways that we could take from this experience, I'm not particularly fond of getting into the tit for tat, who was right and who was wrong. I don't think that's helping anyone, to be honest. And I'm really reluctant to jump on this train. But I thought if I could use this as a teachable moment, and something that might help you in your life, then why not? You know, it's become public. So why not use something that's in public discourse as a way to kind of help you get some insight into your own life and how you can navigate your own life? so let's get into it. Now, to be clear, the opinions on this topic are really polarized at the moment. And what was funny for me, or maybe actually a little bit sad, funny is probably the wrong word to use here. But as I was going down the rabbit hole of what was going on between these text messages, basically what Sarah had done was screenshot a bunch of text messages between the two of them, um, and audio recorded the audio messages that were sent. And made them public she posted them on instagram for everyone to see now what's interesting is she's putting this out for whatever reason it is that she chose to put them out um she wanted the world to see something about jonah hill i suppose and then there's a whole slew of people and i suppose i'm included in that group of people that uh have a whole commentary about what's going on and i've seen a lot of professionals right who have come out coaches, psychologists, therapists, um, couples, therapists, and so on coming out and talking about like going into the finer details of what was said by who and who was right and who was wrong and what is good and what is bad about this entire situation. And quite honestly, I don't think that's actually helping because they're only further polarizing the situation and not helping people extract genuine value from this experience. Now, I'm not fond of polarizing people which doesn't work very well from a marketing standpoint because polarizations and getting people polarized is actually really effective from a marketing standpoint. But that doesn't help you from a psychological standpoint. The more polarized you are, the greater the emotional swings are. You kind of feel like you're on an emotional roller coaster. So I'm not fond of that. And so when I've seen this unfold and all these different commentators coming out of the woodworks with their opinion about how it's supposed to be done and who was right, who was doing the wrong thing? They're not helping. They're creating issues. And I i actually think a lot of them are off the mark, if I'm completely honest. I don't want to call anyone in particular out, but I saw a few and I thought it was silly and kind of unprofessional um, in terms of what they were saying, not that they were having a commentary about it. So if we get into this straight off the bat, I'm going to say that neither of them are behaving like adults, which is a big claim to make. But when you're getting in a tit for tat, trying to be revengeful, trying to be vengeful um, and trying to hit back, well, you said this and now I'm saying this to that because you made that comment and I don't think it's fair and I'm going to hit back on that. And they're saying, yeah, well, that's not fair and I'm going to hit back on what you said there. You're just getting into this tit for tat like it's a tennis match of emotions, right? Which is not what a emotionally intelligent or emotionally mature person would do on either side of the field here, right? I'm not saying either of them is better or worse, but what I am saying is the way they're both behaving and the way they're approaching this isn't necessarily mature from an emotional intelligence standpoint. The reason being is because, for me at least, when getting into an argumentative state with people, if they are convicted in the way they see something and they show zero signs of wanting to change their perspective or see things differently, I'm not interested in trying to change their perception of it. I'm not interested in trying to get them to see something because they're showing no evidence of wanting to. And so if I try and invest myself in trying to get them to see things in a certain light, I will only experience a greater sense of frustration about them. And then eventually I'll walk away with the frustration towards myself for even trying, you know, like why the hell did I bother when they showed zero signs of actually wanting to see anything? And so when you're trying to play that tennis match of Tit for Tat, you're not actually getting anywhere with it. You're just going around in circles. When in reality, one thing that could be done is just like, okay, if that's how you want to see it, that's how you want to see it. Like that's it, I'm out from here. Like there's there's no point in me actually going any further with this because you're convicted in your perception of it. I can't seem to get through. So what's the point in trying anything here? Like I'm out. But usually what people do with their ego is because their ego gets involved they actually then feel like they've got something to prove. And once you get into the desire to prove something to somebody, especially when it's in an argumentative state, you go around in circles. And so when I'm looking at the entire dialogue that has unfolded here between the two of them, I'm not seeing anybody actually rise above the situation. I'm seeing them both getting really entrenched in their emotions about it and slinging mud. It's mud that's made to a look decorative in the way that they were speaking to each other but in reality there was mudslinging because they're both feeling hurt for different reasons which leads me to my next point when you get into an argument with somebody typically especially if your ego is getting involved each person that's part of the argument is trying to get control of the situation they're trying to maintain control now that's the ego's desire the ego wants to be in control you're Higher self, if you like, your bigger self, your more mature and emotionally intelligent self, has zero desire to try and prove anything, and doesn't feel the need to control anything, right? Which sort of relates to the previous point I was making. Like, if you, if you are not emotionally invested in the circumstances, you can go, well, okay. I mean, that's your perception of it. Like, if that's how you want to see it, fine. But you know, I don't think we can really go anywhere from here. So I think we just go our separate ways. But when you're emotionally invested in the situation, which is what your ego wants and your animal mind wants, there's no way for you to break out of that because you're so invested in trying to prove that point because you're trying to maintain control and also trying to maintain power. So as long as you're trying to hold on to control and power, you'll get stuck in this dynamic of tit for tat and slinging mud at each other, which is actually quite exhausting. This is why the text message thread of this entire argument went on and on and on and on. I was surprised. I was expecting just a few like really potent and poignant text messages between the two of them, but it just kept going, which was um, quite exhausting to read, to be honest. So it's important to understand that this is your ego, right? Because you're trying to maintain control and trying to maintain power. Now, here's what's really interesting to me. I write about this in my book on the chapter called How to Have an Argument. And what's really interesting when it comes to people arguing is the reason why the argument is getting so heated is because neither person is feeling understood. And the reason neither person is feeling understood is because they're not saying the thing, the real thing under the thing, right? I know that's not necessarily really clear, but it's important to understand that whenever you're in a debate or an argument or something like that, if you are not articulating specifically what it is that's upset you, then you're going to dance around it by arguing about all kinds of things. And then before you know it, you're arguing about the neighbor's cat that's peed on the fence and scared a bird off. And you're like, wait, hang on a second. How do we get here? Like, how do we start arguing about the neighbor's cat when this started with the way you speak to me and how that's different to the way you speak to your mother? Right. And like somehow, somewhere along the way, you just get derailed from the actual core issue and what the argument started about. And the reason that occurs is because the thing about that situation has not been communicated, right? So in this case, again, I've got to use this with a level of discernment and a huge grain of salt because I'm not on the inside of their relationship and what it was like. But the sense that I get is that she felt betrayed by him. Now, I suspect that maybe he doesn't know what to do with that. And maybe he feels caught out if that was actually the case. And so because there are egos getting involved and she's not actually communicating the words, as far as I could tell in the text messages, I feel betrayed by what, what you've done. Or, I feel betrayed by this situation. I thought things were different. Then he can't address that directly because she hasn't actually communicated that. She's danced around it. She's implied it but hasn't explicitly communicated, I feel betrayed. If that's the emotion she's feeling or if that's how she's seeing it, right? And so until you do that in an argument, until you communicate your perception of the situation and how that's leading to whatever the emotion is that you're feeling, you dance around it and you argue. You can argue for hours, sometimes days, because you're never really getting to the core of the issue, which is your perception. So this is something my wife and I use regularly and have for many years whenever we have a disagreement or we get into an argument because we do you know we're we're humans and things get a little heated what we work towards is getting to our perception of the situation as quickly as possible because the moment we get to the perception and the way we see it we are more equipped to understand each other so if there's something that my wife has done that's annoyed me What I will do to the best of my ability in the moment is communicate the way I'm seeing this or from where I'm standing, this looks like, and then I'll communicate my perception of it. I'm not declaring that what I'm seeing is truth. I'm declaring what I'm seeing and that's it. So I say like, you know, from where I'm standing, this is what it looks like. And that's why I feel this way about it. By helping her understand my perception, she immediately is empowered with an understanding. But if I'm not clearly communicating myself, she can't understand where I'm coming from. And she's then going to have her own perception of what I'm saying to her and the accusations I might be making. And then we start arguing about that. Cause I'm like, well, you're not getting me. And then she's saying, well, I think I am. And I'm like, no, you're not. And then you, you start to get like wound up in these secondary and tertiary layers of argument that have nothing to do with the core issue. So the sooner you get to the core of your perception, this is how it looks to me. Not saying that this is how it is. The way I see it is the way it is. That's not true. It's just your perception. So by getting to that as quickly as possible, you immediately start to empower the person you're arguing with with the ability to actually understand where you're coming from. When they can do that, you immediately feel the tension break in the room because they're like, oh, wait. I can see why you would see that. That wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to do that. Let me explain it to you, right? And just through that process, you start to clear the air just by making that one change. Using that one tool, please use it in your own life, both in the professional world, but also in your personal relationships. It has the power to transform situations um, from really hostile and tense to where you're actually understanding each other. Now, you don't necessarily have to get along. You don't necessarily have to become besties off the back of it. But in any argument, everyone's just trying to be understood. So if you can facilitate arriving at being understood at a faster rate, you reduce the length of the argument. And you reduce how long you feel tense and frustrated for. Now, this leads me to something that's kind of interesting about celebrities and people in the public eye. And like, imagine if any arguments you've had with people get publicly aired. They get screenshot and sent out to the world for other people to see, to criticize you, to say, oh, that was a dick move. Why did you say that? Or why would you be that way? Or anything like that. We've all said stuff and we've all had moments in our lives where we haven't necessarily demonstrated our best selves. And what we do when we become consciously aware of this behavior is We then try to go and explain it and help people understand. And sometimes we apologize and we clarify our intention or we backtrack and we say, you know what? I'm not okay with what I said there. I didn't mean it. Don't take that to heart, right? We get that opportunity in our lives because most of these things are relatively private. For people in the public eye, they don't get that opportunity, right? Jonah Hill is now being painted into a specific corner he may not necessarily get the opportunity to backtrack on that and clarify things, um, specifically with Sarah or even the public. And if he does, it might appear to be that he's just trying to save his career or something like that. And it, it may not be genuine. You know, for most people, we don't have to face these private moments going public and being aired out and having our dirty laundry being aired out in front of everybody. So it's, it's hard, you know. I I've had clients who have been in similar situations, and they wrestle with the feelings of that because these are situations that, for ninety nine percent of the population, you don't have to worry about it being aired out in public. You can have an argument, a very heated argument, with family or a partner or friends or whatever, and that stays relatively private. In this situation, these arguments have actually been captured. It's almost like somebody filming you while you're having an argument and then posting it on online for everyone else to see. So now I understand, you know, these people are fully aware that they are public figures, and you know, they have a lot of followers, and that's the downside that comes with it. There are risks that come with that, but this has been very intentionally aired publicly. It's not like the paparazzi have found their way into the circumstances. This has been intentionally captured and put out into the world as a way to cause what is being said is awareness, but I think what is actually attempting to be done here is to cause pain and hurt. That's something that we don't necessarily have to think about, but I think it's an interesting thought experiment to imagine in any moment where you find yourself not necessarily being your best self, if you immediately think to yourself, well, what if the world saw me right now in this moment? How would I actually behave? I wonder if that would change your behavior in that moment. Would you change your approach? Would you change what you're saying? Would you change what you're doing? This is something that I've thought about for a long time, for God, since I was a teenager. Whenever I got into a moment where I felt like I wasn't being my best self, and it could have just been an argument with my parents or my siblings and saying something that I was angry about that I didn't genuinely mean, but I said it, I would think to myself, what if the world saw me in this moment? Would I change what I'm doing? And that's influenced the way I think and the way I behave. My attempt is to be the way I would privately and also publicly. That I would try to treat people with the same level of respect that I would publicly and that I do with the people in my life privately as well. Something to think about. It's not something that we all have to face. So I thought that was an interesting point to consider. Something that was communicated by Sarah in these messages was that she worked with some of Jonah's therapists and they went to couples therapy while they were together and felt like they were only further entrenching Jonah's way of thinking and suggesting that she should adjust the way she wants to behave and the way she thinks to match him. Now, I'm not, I don't actually like couples therapy as a tool for relationships. I know there are a lot of people who have gotten value from it. But whenever I've had clients who have wanted me to work with them as a couple um, and business partners who have wanted me to work with both of them, I don't work with them together. I work with them separately in one-on-one sessions on their own, where they get to tackle their own stuff individually with me. And the reason why I do that is because by working through their feelings, their emotions and their perceptions with me privately, one-on-one. What I then give them the tools to do is then go and engage with each other and interact with each other away from me without my involvement. And what that does is it gives them a sense of empowerment rather than feeling like they need a parent or a mediator in the room, like a third wheel going, well, Johnny, don't say that to her. That's not very nice. I'd rather work with them individually and then give them the opportunity as adults, mature, emotionally intelligent, individuals to be able to come together and work through their stuff on their own without my direct involvement. And what that does is it gives them a sense of empowerment that they can actually be together or relate to each other or be in a relationship or a partnership without needing me to oversee the entire experience. Because then there's always going to be somewhere in the back of their mind that they might get into an argument and say, well, let's save it for our conversation with Giorgio because I'll be curious to see what he has to say about it, right? that's disempowering them because that's stopping them from being able to work through it on their own together. So I know there are a lot of couple therapists out there. I know there are a lot of people who have gotten value from couples therapy. In my experience, I haven't seen it to be as valuable for people as working one-on-one individually and then giving them the tools to be self-reliant and independent of me in their relationship. Otherwise, it's weird. I'd be like a third wheel in their relationship and no one gets into a relationship so they can find a third wheel. So so I thought that might be interesting for you to consider, especially if you're someone who has considered couples therapy. I'm not against you both working with the same person, um, but individually can actually be quite beneficial and valuable. So I thought I might come at this from different angles, give you some thoughts that I have about the various aspects of what's unfolding here with the knowledge that I do have. Like I said, there are things on the inside that I just simply don't know because I have no proximity to either of them. But I thought we could use this as a platform for you to get some more value about how you can approach different aspects of your life rather than this situation just being a a matter of public gossip and polarization. You know, for the people that are drawn to me, you are people who are students who love to learn and understand and not necessarily get caught up in the gossip. So I thought I might try and bring something to you that is valuable rather than immature, I suppose. So I want to finish on this point, because I think this is the perfect way to kind of bring all of this home. And that is ultimately loving somebody for who they are as they are. To me, that's the ultimate way to treat somebody now. If you can love and appreciate somebody for who they are and the role they've played in your life and the contribution that they've played in your life, even if that's been someone who's challenged you or upset you, you stand to set yourself free emotionally from the baggage that you might carry from that. What I encourage my clients and students to do, especially as it comes to what they see as an inevitable end to a relationship that they might be in, is to love that person for who they are. And sometimes loving someone for who they are and the choices they make is the ultimate way to set yourself free. And you can love somebody and leave them. Sometimes that's exactly what's needed. In fact, leaving somebody, it can be an act of love. Because you might be keeping someone in a relationship that they don't need to be in or that of relationship where they're not necessarily being loved the way they could be. And so you're setting them free to go and be with somebody who Wants to and has the capacity to love them the way they deserve. And you're also simultaneously setting yourself free to then allow yourself to be loved and respected by somebody in the way that you deserve. So, my preference is that we find a way to love unconditionally the people in our lives, both the ones that challenge us, upset us, and piss us off, but also the ones that we hold dearest and closest to us. Because your capacity for love is contagious. And it's huge. So the more you tap into your ability to love and express that unconditional love for people around you, that speaks dividends. And to me, that's like paying it forward in ways that it's like depositing huge amounts of money into the bank of the universe, if you like. That's the wealthiest people I know are the ones that have the capacity to love, even those who have hurt them or caused them pain. And I don't mean a dismissing kind of love, like you know, I love them for it. And they're just making an intellectual comment. But people who genuinely feel a deep seated sense of appreciation for the people that have hurt them and an unconditional love for them. To me, that's true power. That's true control. And that's the ultimate form of wealth in our life. So... If you can use that as a north star in all of your interactions with people to the best of your ability you're not always going to get it you're not always going to nail it you won't get that right you know you're going to feel ruled and governed by your emotions at times and that's okay but if you can return to this as a north star that's going to carry you through some of your greatest challenges and difficulties in life so i thought i might finish on that note i think that for me, that's been a north star in everything I've experienced. I, I try to find the ability to love the person and the experience, no matter how painful it may have been. And by doing so, I set myself free from the pain of that experience. And I set whoever else it is that's involved free from that dynamic as well. So they're no longer being judged or entangled in it. And so, anyway, I thought this might be an interesting topic. It might be an interesting episode. I'm hoping that there's value in this for you. And that you're able to take something away from all of this, this entire experience that gives you food for thought and gets you contemplating things a little differently. Because the way I see it, everything in life is a learning opportunity. There's something that we can take away from it. And in this case, you know, these two people are going through a lot of pain and now it's publicly um, being navigated. So I thought rather than this opportunity going to waste, maybe we can use it as a teaching moment. So on that note, hope you got value from this episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you did, please make sure you leave a review wherever you're listening to this or watching it. It helps encourage other people to come and find us to get more value from it. And um, I'll keep producing the content and giving you as much value as I possibly can. All right, on that note, I'll see you on the next episode. This is Giorgio Janis. Lots of love.